As she shared, today is the first Sunday of 2020. Can you believe it? January 5th, 2020. I mean, growing up, if you thought of 2020, what, what came to mind? I saw the Jetsons, you know, the cartoon Jetsons growing up with the cars flying into space. And so I thought maybe that's how it would look today. Not quite, but it's crazy, isn't it, to think that now another decade is beginning 2020. So let's turn to our neighbors and not just wish them a happy new year. Let's, let's wish them a happy new decade, okay? Let's go turn to our neighbors and say, happy new decade, QPEM. Yeah, I mean, it's a new decade, guys, 2020. And with this new year, new decade, there's obviously changes. Elder Shimon was talking about a lot of the changes there. There's some changes in the church, the new positions, definitely on the greater church and such. Uh, even for myself, uh, I'll share that again a little later. But, uh, you know, new, we have new deacons at QPEM, right? Deacons uh, for 2020. Uh, we had 32 faithful deacons serving the Lord here. Now, I want to formally introduce and uh, acknowledge our two newest deacons for QPEM. I didn't tell them we're doing this, but they're in the back. Levy Tejada, Deacon Levy, and then Deacon Rumi. All right, let's give them a hand. Praise God for both of them. Rumi's serving in the, in the back, their media. Levy's doing a sound. I mean, you know, they're always there, serving faithful. That's what a deacon is, isn't it? A deacon is a servant of God, servant of Jesus. And, and, and we're just honored that God has now appointed them to be our newest deacons, to join the QPEM serving leadership here. And I did want to share one thing that Deacon Levy did request of me, okay? He did request this. Um, he said, Pastor Peter, he's honored to be nominated as a deacon. He's very, you know, through prayer and, and, and going through God's word, like he prayed through this decision and, and, and praised God that he accepted the, the position. And, and he's very honored and humbled, but he did request that no one at QPEM call him deacon. Okay? That's what he said. Okay? No one addressed him as deacon. He said he understands if people do, that's fine, but his preference is still just simply to be called Levy. Right? Why? His reasoning? And this is what he wrote to me. He said, I still want my fellow brothers and sisters to look at me the same way and know I'm just like them. I'm still the same person struggling in this world of sin. That's so true, isn't it? That's so true. We're, we're just the same. Deacon Levy, that's why we're appointing you deacon, okay? For statements just like that, to acknowledge we're all sinners, we're messed up, we're broken. No one's perfect. But what the deacon does um, and why we acknowledge titles here at QPEM. When we see, you know, elders, we address them as elders and, and even deacons while we do so at QPEM. We want to acknowledge what the position that God has anointed, right? Here in the, in the body of Christ. We want our members to know who they are and we want to support them in their God-given roles. Not, not to puff up their pride or, or exalt them in any kind of way. No, uh, we want to uh, celebrate the leadership that God has appointed. And I, I tell everyone this, and, you know, this may sound, oh, you're just saying it, but people ask me, people ask me, how are you doing these days? How's the church going? You know, how are you feeling? You know, all this stuff happening. I said the one thing I'm most thankful for at QPEM, without a doubt, is our leadership, is our leaders, our brothers and sisters of elders and deacons here that are so selfless and, and, and faithful and committed and devoted. I am thankful for them. And that's what really keeps me going and encourages me. So, so I, I, Levy, um, I'm going to still call you deacon, all right? <laughs> Whether you want me to or not, I'm going to address you as deacon Rumi, deacon Rumi as well. Whether others do or not, that's up to them. But I encourage you all, let's celebrate the roles that God has appointed for the building up of the body of Christ here. You know, other changes, as you can see, New praise team, right? It's how, how strange is that not to have our sister Jessica, our bedrock, and Charlie, and all these others leading worship 
as they've always done every week, you know, they needed a break, okay? I mean, they've been going nonstop every week after week, and it's not easy, right, to lead worship on a weekly basis. So we gave them a sabbatical. It's a one-month kind of rest uh, just to replenish and, and rejuvenate their spirits and souls. And Pastor Namjoon, thank you, brother, for leading a, just a vibrant, uh, this brother has passion, right, doesn't he? He has just charisma, and, and we thank God for the giftings there and Pastor Namjoon and the team that he's assembled to lead worship for us this coming week. And I was talking with Jess as well because I was talking about her future and what the plans that God has for her. And, and she's applying to grad school. And hopefully, Lord willing, we're praying with her that she will get accepted to school, a, a program this coming fall. And so, hey, with that in mind, I talked with her. Hey, with the way God's moving, and we bless Shen and we sent her off the last week in prayer as well. I think God has a plan for, uh, for this new um, I guess, staff member at QPEM coming up. And, and, and I want to share, you know, we're blessed. We have two full-time pastors here. Pastor Peter, of course, the EM assistant pastor. He's overseeing the college ministry. Now, I want to share, we're going to start a new search for a third full-time pastor. Yes. Uh, praise God that we're able to do so with our financial autonomy and, and our means and such. But we've been praying as a leadership, and, and we're going to start a search for a new worship pastor and young adult pastor, okay? A pastor that would come in and lead uh, not just the worship on a week-to-week basis, but, but, but build up the worship team spiritually and musically and, and also oversee and lead you young adults as well. And I think that was something that's been needed for a while. And so pray with us. Would you pray with us as a leadership as we begin a new search for a full-time worship slash young adult pastor? I'm excited for the Lord, who the Lord will bring. And, and I ask you guys, join us in prayer as we begin this new year together. Lots of exciting things happening here in this new year, and whenever a new year begins, what do we do? Resolutions, right? New Year's resolutions. You guys make any? Right? You guys make any? What's the number one resolution on everyone's really list all the time, right? What's the number one thing? Pastor Peter? Exercise. Exercise, yeah, let's be healthy, right? Let's get in shape. Come on now, right? Let's lose weight, eat better, exercise, be more fit like Elder Shimon. I want to be like Elder Shimon back there, okay? Buff and, you know, really uh, fit and uh, healthy and all. I made that resolution every year, right? You guys know that. Remember that Bowflex I told you about? Remember Bowflex? My Bowflex revolution, okay? I bought that in seminary, right? So it was expensive too, and I had it there. And every year, last year I shared that. I set it up downstairs in my family room. I made the space for it. Took off all the coats and other things that were hanging on it. No more coat rack, okay? We're going to clean it up, too. I spent, like, hours cleaning that thing, that beautiful machine. you got to make it nice and shiny if you're going to use it, right? So I cleaned it all up, got it all ready, ready for use. And now the whole year gone by. Unfortunately, it's buried again under stacks of toys and other sports equipment. I didn't use it one time, I don't think, this past year, right? I keep making this resolution. It doesn't happen, right? So here's my new... New Year's resolution, okay? I'm not going to keep saying this over and over to you and, and, and just try this, you know, impossible feat, okay? This is what I told, I'm going to promise uh, this, uh, I told Kathy. You know what I'm going to do, Kathy, with, with this Bowflex uh, revolution, this coming, my New Year's rev- resolution here. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sell it, okay? I'm going to sell that thing. It's going to be gone out of the house. She's been wanting this out of the house, this monstrosity taking us away. I'm going to sell it with all the weights, the equipment, and all the, you know, beautiful parts that came with it. If you're looking for a Bowflex revolution, let me know. We'll talk about a deal and all that stuff on the side, right? But Kathy's mom, they're so happy about it. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to exercise. I'm going to exercise. Instead of this Bowflex, Kathy got a gym membership. 
And it comes with some guest passes throughout the month, okay? So I'm going to go with her to exercise. We're going to take the family together. We're going to work out. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And if it doesn't, you'll let, I guess you'll know in a year, right? <laughs> in next January's 2021 sermon, I'll, I'll let you know if it happened or not. But, but you know, we have these resolutions, right? We want to start this new year. How will this 2020 be for you? What will it define? What will it be remembered for? What will this year be defined as for you? Above all, a year, maybe a, a new career. Some of you making career changes in your life. Job promotions or a job advancement, new job. Some of you graduating college this coming May. Congrats. And then new new chapter in your life. Is that how this is going to be defined? Some of you moving up, new house, new place. Some of you singles, praying and hoping to start a new relationship possibly in this coming year. Some maybe couples or families starting building and growing the family, new babies come. Who knows? How will this year be remembered for? Remember last year I shared about that nurse, Bonnie Weir, uh, you know, she was with the, the, these, these patients that she's been uh, caring uh, for the, the last 12 weeks of their life, and, and she took that journal, The Dying Epiphanies. Remember what she recorded? Not a single one of the epiphanies that these people that are dying on the bed, bed that they, they wish more of, they, not a single one wished more of anything earthly, did they? Anything worldly, oh, I wish I worked more overtime to, to make more money in this world. Oh, I wish I got promoted more so I could be present. Or, oh, I wish I had a bigger house or a new car. No, they didn't, never said that. People that are dying and about to leave this earthly world do not regret or wish that they had done more earthly things. No, what we saw, that actually the opposite. They wished for more eternal things, right? Oh, I wish I spent more time with my family. I wish I spent more time with my loved ones. I wish I was a better parent. Or I wish I followed my passions, lived out my faith, right? Those are the things that we hear. So as we begin this new year, you know, perhaps maybe we can focus on not other things of this world. Even like me, you know, let's be healthy, exercise, get my body working out. Yeah, it's a good resolution. It's, it's, it's a good thing to be more healthy, of course. But guess what? Our body's all going to get older. Our bodies are all going to, you know, get slower and heavier as time goes by. Eventually, we're going to all die. Then we're going to be buried. And then our bodies decay. The bodies we have now, they won't last forever. So then what, right? What are all these resolutions for, right? If in the big picture scheme of things, it's all going to come and go. What can we commit to this coming year that will last with us even when our earthly bodies are gone? That will be forever. And when I mean forever, it's like for eternity. I see such an important commitment in our passage today. Perhaps a resolution that we can make together as a church in 2020 that will be the most important resolution for us all this coming year. Uh, a resolution that will change our life here today, but also for now and forever, okay, church? I pray that we would seek and, and, and try to uh, do this together as a church. L look with me what this resolution is here. In, in, in the Bible, Psalm chapter one here, the, the book of Psalm chapter one, it, you know, if we look at this book of poetry and this beautiful collection of prayers and such, and we look at it and read through it, and like maybe it helps us to guide. But Psalm chapter one, if you if you understand uh, the context of this book, it, it's the beginning here of the wisdom books in the Bible, right? 
In fact, Psalm chapter 1 is one of the few wisdom psalms in the Psalter, okay? A lot of the songs are, are praise and adoration and, and prayers, but, but this is one of the few wisdom psalms that we find in the collection of psalms. Psalm chapter 1, in essence, it's serving as a gateway to the rest of this book. It, it's, it's like a gateway to a sanctuary, I almost like to picture it. A gateway, can you imagine like chapter one, a gateway to this beautiful sanctuary where we enter into as a people of God, where we can rest and then learn and grow and deepen our relationship with the living God. Can you picture that with me? As we open to Psalm chapter, if you do have your Bible, I encourage you, bring your Bibles to, to church, you know, this coming year. If you open your Bibles to Psalm, you put up Psalm chapter one, brother. Verse 1, if we look at the psalm, it's a gateway, a door opening to the sanctuary you and I are about to enter in. And there we find this place where we can grow a deep relationship with God and hear the wisdom from Him as He desires us to have as we begin this new year. If you look with me at this chapter, this beginning of this altar, it's... It, there's a contrast that we see, very simply in six verses, but there's two ways in which we can walk, the Psalter says. Two very simple ways. It's not any other way or, or gray areas or, you know, some other, you know, options. There's two ways that you and I can walk in life. One is in the way of the righteous, and the other is in the way of the wicked. That's it. There's no other way the Bible describes you're either walking in the way of the righteous or the way of the wicked. And in this passage, the psalmist is encouraging the listeners, hey, walk in the way of the righteous, not in the way of the wicked. And he gives us three actually distinct contrasts, if you look with me, that, that, that compare and differentiate these two ways of, of paths, of the wicked and the righteous. Look with me here as we go through kind of these three contrasts. In verse 1 and 2. First one, as we read verse 1, it says, Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Blessed is that man. Who is that man? He's a righteous one. It's that one. It's he who enjoys God's favor. It's the one who has received God's special favor and grace. As Christians, we know that's the revelation in his son, Jesus Christ, right? The good news, the gospel. Those who have received the special favor, revelation, blessed are we, the righteous one. The psalmist begins to show what this blessed righteous man actually does not do. That's kind of important, right? This is what this blessed righteous man does not do. And if you looked at this list, number one, he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor does he stand in the way of sinners, nor does he sit in the seat of scoffers. Very, sometimes as pastors, we're looking for illustrations, you know, to try to explain things and explain God's truth. The best illustrations are always in the Bible, right? If you look at the Bible, Jesus offers beautiful illustrations and parables and such. Here the psalmist offers a beautiful visual illustration of what he's talking about here. If you picture with me this kind of way in, in, in which a person walks, then stands, then actually sits down, okay? It's this kind of gradual descent where this unrighteous man kind of heads down. This, <laughs> I guess, downward progression towards unrighteousness or evil, if we want to say, right? First, what does he do here? 
The descent begins first by walking along the counsel of the wicked. What does that mean? It's kind of like maybe someone, hey, you know, you're just walking and, you know, you're trying to live that way of righteousness and, 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 and you know, you're trying to, you know, live according to the ways of the word, or the word and, and Jesus' teaching and such. But, but you see this kind of crowd. You see maybe they're involved in something that maybe quite might not be righteous and but maybe enticing. You know, for me, you know, I, I share with you before when I was in Michigan, uh, I, I was, uh, uh, you know, uh, with my church and I was serving in, in, as a young adult leader there and, 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 and you know, kind of going in leadership there. But, but what we used to do back in the two, early 2000s, right, back in the day, and that was that early poker boom. Remember that poker boom with Chris Moneymaker and all that? And so I, and, and there was a, there was a, a casinos that, that came up in Michigan right by our church. And to revive the economy, Detroit made these casinos come to try to boost the economy. And, and so what, you know what our, our, our young adult group did after church almost every Sunday? We went to play cards, okay? We went to play cards. Simply just, hey, it's simple fun. You know, let's just play cards, right? Just $5 buy-ins, and it's very little. And so that's what we did, okay? And so it's almost kind of like we're just, walk, you know, just walking, but we see something that's kind of enticing. We say, yeah, that's kind of interesting. That, that, that looks enticing. But hey, I'm just walking. Uh, you know, I'm not really involved in that yet, but it's piquing my interest. Money's involved and stuff like that, sure. And so we, we, we kind of start maybe curious. Should I join? It looks like fun. It wouldn't hurt. And then what do we do? We kind of actually then take the deeper progression. And the Bible says, then that person actually stands or more literally sense, takes a stand in the presence of sinners. Now, he's not just walking in like, looking, ooh, that looks very curious. Wow, that looks kind of intense. Now, I'm kind of standing. I'm checking it out. I'm kind of, kind of in the crowd now, you see? I'm kind of associating in whatever this, uh, this wrong crowd or whatever you want, uh, enticing behavior is, is, is happening. He, he's, not, he, he's basically becoming part of them, learning their lingo, way of life. And you know what we did in Michigan? We not only just started these friendly home games. Okay, come on, let's, let's get a little bit more interesting. We actually said, let's go to the casinos then, okay? So the, so the men's ministry, we actually went together after church. We actually went to the casinos. And now we're actually associating with this crowd, if you want to say, right? And we're now starting to see how this environment looks, right? And kind of I'm looking at this environment. And what I see about this, you know, it's, you know, bells and whistles, all the, you know, uh, uh, what do you call those things? Uh, the slot machines, you know, ringing and all that. It sounds, you know, so much fun. But when I see the people there, man, a lot of people just down with life, depressed. A lot of people pay, playing cards with their unemployment checks and stuff. It, it was kind of a sad sight, to be honest with you. And then what do we see? As I'm kind of standing in that presence here. Ultimately, what does the person do? This unrighteous gradual descent. Ultimately sits down or dwells. Taking up a permanent residence in the company of the scoffers. The Bible says, right? Now, you become part of them. You're actually not participating in the evil actions of the sinners. You become what they are, in a sense, okay? Now, I want to make it very clear. I'm not saying that playing cards is, again, evil or anything. I, I preached a sermon about the Christian liberties that we have, the freedom in Christ. That The Bible doesn't talk about, hey, if you play poker, you're a sinner. It's a love of money. That's a sin, right? And that's where the enticing kind of lore came in in the casinos, even for me. I'm sitting down now in the actual the seat of the scoffers. And now it's not just for fun, fellowship, 
$5 in a tournament, yeah, the most you can lose is 5 bucks, and we all have a good time and go home. No, now it's about the money. Now it's about the lure of money. Now I'm not just playing with 25 cent 50 blinds. Now I'm playing $25, $50 blinds. Now the pot's a lot bigger. Now, whoa, hundreds of dollars, thousands. Now it gets enticing. Okay? You see how the gradual descent takes place. And something so innocent. And that's why at QPEN, we, we make sure, hey, we want to make sure where people are at in their, in their state. And if we're playing cards for fun, I want to make sure, hey, you're not struggling with gambling or going to casinos, having addictions and stuff like that, right? You know, there's this progression that we see here in the unrighteous. Commentator writes even that the descent is highlighted even by the degree of evil, which is intensified in the words that we see. The wicked at first, then the sinners then the scoffers. You see how that beautiful dis description? It's a gradual descent into a different, greater degree of evil. It's intensified. Each word carrying a greater weight of evil associated to the party that you're associated with here. That's kind of how life happens, church. We think that, hey, you know what? Sometimes, I, I, even I felt this way. You know, I, I'm a Christian, I'm a, I'm a strong believer, and I got a group of maybe non-Christian friends who are maybe doing non-Christian things, and so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change them, right? I'm going to be the one to, like, you know, lead them to Jesus, and I'm going to show them, hey, there's a better way. And so, you know, I'm going to actually go clubbing with them or go out drinking with them, and, and so I go to these bars and stuff, and I'm going to be the cool Christian, right? The cool guy that, hey, doesn't sh that has to show them that, hey, not Christians, all Christians are just kind of boring and just kind of stay home and in the corner and pray all day. No, you know, I'm going to be a cool Christian, right? And so we go and try to associate with them, and you know what ends up happening? It's far off in church. Instead of me being the light of Christ, the city on the hill, shining the light of Christ onto them and influencing them, so often what happens is instead of being the influencer, I become the influenced, right? That's what happens. As I slowly walk in the council, then stand in the midst of the sinners, and then I eventually sit right then, pull up a seat, join us. I become just like them. That's kind of what happens in life, unfortunately. Because we're weak. Because we're sinners still, right? We're still sinners, right? That's kind of the danger that the word of God is teaching us today. Something so simple. Something so maybe, ah, so harmless. What is that in your life? Something maybe that maybe you're thinking of that, hey, it's a gray area. It's something that, you know, it's not so explicit in the Bible. Again, that's, that may be true. Are we associating anything that may lead us, in a sense, to walk alongside the counsel of the wicked and then maybe take a stand in their presence and ultimately sit in their seat, church? Self-reflection there. This life is clearly one that is opposed to God, it says the Bible. A life that is completely immersed in the wickedness of this world. Okay? That's how he describes it. But in verse 2, the psalmist contrasts this life to that of the righteous. Look at the contrast here. that The psalmist says in verse 2, But his delight, the one who is walking in the way of the righteous, his delight, in contrast, church, is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. The righteous clearly delights in the law of the Lord. This is it. 
the law that comprises all of God's commandments given to us. Of course, in the OT context, they're talking about the Torah and, and the guidance given to us. But in the Christian sense, all of Scripture, Jesus' teachings, all of it, right? On this law, the righteous meditates day and night. The law is, is not just something that we read or hear on a Sunday preached or, or maybe, you know, a few times throughout the week in our devotion. The, the law, the psalmist is emphasizing this aspect of having the law, God's word, on one's mind, on, on one's mouth throughout our life, throughout our day. Why? So that he may actually disassociate with the evil that is depicted in verse 1 here. You see, when you're meditating on the word of God or the law of the Lord... I'm telling you, if you're like, you know, really being filled with God's word and you have, you know, scripture being memorized in your heart and you have a morning devotion, most likely you're not going to be, you know, sitting in the seat of scoffers <laughs> that day. At least in my life, when, when, when the word of God is really like being lived out in my life, when I'm driving, I'm not actually tempted to curse out this person that just cut me off, you know. Normally I would be, even me. As a pastor, ooh. But yeah, when I'm filled with the word of God in my heart, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not engaged in the things that, of my flesh as much as I would be without this word, right? By meditating, we're, we're firmly keeping on this righteous way of life, you know. The righteous seek God's word while the wicked associate with evil. That's very true, you know. You know, this coming year, um, there's a vision that Christian leaders all around the world have come together with. Did you know? Did you hear about this? Anyone hear about this? Pastor Nanjin, you heard about this? No? 2020, okay? Over 20,000 churches and ministry organizations in more than 100 nations are getting together and have joined resources to make this 2020, guess what? The year of the Bible. Isn't that amazing? This year, this new decade, the year of the Bible, okay? The founder of this organization, the year of the Bible, Nick Hall, he says that the Bible, you know, the most influential and misunderstood book in history, right? So what this movement is going to start to ask people is this. Look to the Bible for yourself. What if this was your year to be inspired by this book? Okay. He says, everything about our faith, okay, is built on scripture. But so many of our lives simply aren't, right? If we're honest. We live our lives, how? Not on the word of God, but based off of good ideas or good talks or, uh, you know, what are those, what's that thing that the blogs or the talk, TED Talks, right? Captain listens to those. Let's listen to it, some more TED Talks to, to give me ideas on how to live my life. Even going to church isn't good enough, right? If you go to church and all you do is we're listening to podcasts over and over, we're missing out, church. We need the daily bread. The living God wants to speak to us, church. Nick Hall, he was saying that what changed for him, back in, for him in 2013, it was years of traveling, he was speaking about Jesus, but he said this, I spent the majority of my life actually not loving the Bible. Because I think we've taught people that, that go to church, 
to actually, you know, love good music, right? Who doesn't love, love a good praise team, right? Of course, good preaching, you know. We want an uh, excellent preacher to listen to, right? be entertained by, right? But most of us have not been taught to love the Bible and to read the Bible on our own. It's almost like this foundational part of our faith, we're missing it. And he was actually inspired by a conversation and meeting that he had with Pastor Francis Chan. I believe I'm just one of these anointed you know, leaders for our generation. And in this talk, they were talking, and they were like, what if we had a year where all the believers in America, even unbelievers, read this book, right? Pastor Francis Chan says this, that, that this is the most read book in all of human history. Don't you want to read it before you die? <laughs> Think about it. This is the most read book in the history of humanity. Don't you want to read through this book in its entirety before we die, church? What if we can get everyone on board, if all Christians were reading it so that any believer I came up to, I could have the same conversation about this book rather than maybe a conversation about what do we, what do we talk about, the weather? We talk about sports. I love talking about sports. but What if we had a conversation about this book? Instead of everything else, man, can you imagine how united the church would be, man? the body of Christ there? Ravi Zacharias, we know him, right? He's spent his whole life defending the Bible, right? Apologetic, de defender of the truth in public forums, college campuses all around the country, the world. He, he said, many years ago, God, God reached down to him as a teenager in a hospital bed in India with a page from the Gospel of John. It's personal testimony. He said, the book of books, the Bible is a mirror for the soul, a map for life, meeting our deepest hungers for truth, for love, for justice, and forgiveness. And he says, as you read it, you will find it reading you. <laughs> I encourage you to let it fill your soul, he says. Awesome. Let's not just talk about it. Let's not just hear about it. Let's do something about it, church, okay? Let's put it into action. This year, I want to challenge us. I want to encourage QPEM. Let's make this a year of the Bible for us, okay? We've been talking about community. We're growing as a gospel community. How else can we do so other than in word and prayer, okay? Let me give you a practical way to help, okay? There's an app on my phone that I have, and I love this app, okay? And I want to share this app with you, okay? It's called the Read Scripture app, okay? It's by Pastor Francis Chan's ministry, Crazy Love Ministries, okay? Read Scripture. And what I love about this is the way it's set up and formatted in a way that it's set up to read the entire Bible. It's rearranged in order of some of the books to kind of tell this collective story. But I love the fact that you can kind of click on some of the settings. You can hide the chapters and the numbers that get kind of sometimes in the way of all that and just read it as the way the writers wrote the word of God. And then after you read that section in your daily devotional, then you have a psalm that it leads you to. Psalm is like Psalm chapter one that leads us to a time of silence and stillness, a time to meditate and pray, to be with the Lord, you know. And there's a video that, that comes along with every day that you can choose to listen to or not, but it helps you explain kind of what you're reading and just kind of like an informative, like almost like a fun summary of, of what's going on here, like a kind of a fun commentary there, how, how this particular section fits into the larger story and points everything to Christ. Here, there's a little thing I want to show here. You got that video back there, Pixels? I want to show you this video of what this Read Scripture app is about, okay? So listen to this. 
Bible is long and for many people an intimidating book, but we believe that the entire thing is telling one unified story that leads us to Jesus. And so we want to help you learn how to read the Bible as you actually read through the entire thing for yourself. So the Read Scripture experience is first of all a reading plan that has broken up the story of the Bible into 16 chapters. Now we've rearranged the order of some of the books to help you see how this overall story works and how each book contributes to it. So we we begin with creation of the world and the fall of humanity, which leads to God's covenant promises to Abraham and his family, the people of Israel. Then you come to God's rescue of Israel in the exodus from Egypt, which is followed by the covenant God makes with them at Mount Sinai. From there, God leads Israel through the wilderness and then into the promised land, where Israel grows into a nation and breaks the covenant. And so this flows into the rise and the fall of Israel's kingdom, which ends with Israel being exiled from the land. Now the story pauses right here, and you'll read through the poetry of the prophets who lived before Israel's exile, and also of the wisdom writings that reflect on this part of the story as well. After this, the story will pick up again, and you'll read the writings of the prophets who lived during the exile, then about the return of Israel from exile, and the writings of the prophets who lived after the exile. You'll conclude the Old Testament with the book of Chronicles. It's a summary of the story so far and how it all points forward to Jesus. And finally, we come to Jesus himself and his announcement of the kingdom of God, which is then followed by the letters of the apostles to the people of Jesus' kingdom. Finally, we'll conclude the entire biblical story with the revelation, a poetic vision of Jesus' return and the healing of all creation. Now each of these 16 chapters has a number of reading sessions it will take to complete it. Some of these are shorter, others are longer. And if you take just 15 to 20 minutes a day to complete each session, you'll be able to read through the entire Bible in less than a year. Now, even with this map, many books of the Bible are really confusing. It's very easy to get lost. And so when you start each new book of the Bible, you'll be able to watch a short video that lays out that book's structure and flow of thought, and it'll give you tips about what kinds of things to look for as you read. But also every book contributes to the overall story of the Bible as well. And so we'll have theme videos placed at strategic points in the reading plan to help you see how the part of the Bible you're reading at the moment fits into that larger story. Finally, each day's reading session includes a psalm because we believe that reading the Bible is not just an intellectual experience but also spiritual. And so we invite you to take the year to develop the daily habit of praying through the psalms. And by the end of the year, you'll have prayed through the whole book of psalms two and a half times. Our hope is that the Read Scripture experience will help you read through the entire Bible with greater understanding than you ever have before. So you can see for yourself the beauty and the wisdom of this ancient story that points us to Jesus. Yeah, I mean, that is awesome. Uh, I was going to tell everyone just take out your phones and just download it right now, okay? But don't do that right now because it's going to get distracting. So you can add just got some pictures here. Um, after service, I encourage you. Go to your Google Play Store, or Apple, or iTunes, whatever it is, and you go download Read Scripture app, right? And then the next the pictures, I mean, just see what, how it's laid out. It's going to be a beautiful guide for us to, 15 to 20 minutes a day, church. 15 to 20 minutes a day, you'll read through the entire Bible in less than a year. You'll read through the entire Psalter two and a half times, okay, in prayer, okay? I encourage you small group leaders especially, your small groups, now, we haven't met in a while, okay? Small groups, I, I challenge you, encourage you, start this in your small groups okay, this year. Make it a commitment that when we get together twice a month, 
Let's not just talk about the weather or sports or how our families or our kids are doing. Let's talk about the Bible, right? Let's talk about how God's speaking to how he's speaking his word to us. I encourage your community groups, young adults, your college, your, you know, your married families. When we get together, let's talk about the Bible. How beautiful would that be, church? Because when we see uh, what happens, um, there's a second contrast in this passage uh, that we see between the righteous and the unrighteous. I'm going to kind of just go through these next two real quick. In verses 3 to 4, the one who is righteous, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf doesn't wither in all that he does. He prospers. Can you picture this? Again, another beautiful illustration. Psalter writes here. The tree, the righteous one, is like a tree planted by streams of water, just yields fruit, abundant fruit here. Can you imagine that? Leaves do not wither. It just prospers. You know, I, I told you, I think, like, 10 years ago that I went to uh, this um, Coast Redwood um, uh, visit in California, right? This was 2009. Um, back when I visited my brother in Yosemite National Park, uh, we visited these, uh, uh, these trees, this forest here, and I stood next to this giant sequoia tree, okay? And this is a picture here I, I, I have. This is from 2009, 10 years ago, okay? If you, get, if you kill the spotlight there, just to clarify that picture a bit. This is huge, okay? This is a giant sequoia. The coast redwood is even larger than this, okay? But these trees have been measured to reach 380 feet in height. Think about that. 26 feet in diameter. That's a big tree, right? It's the world's largest living thing on earth. Did you know that? These trees. And I, I saw a show on Discovery that explained just how these trees have grown to be so tall over these years. They said, actually, these coast redwoods in California, they, they occupy a small strip of land along the Pacific coast here. And they usually grow in the mountains where it's more precipitation, right, from the incoming moisture off the ocean, see? And so the tallest and oldest trees are found in, in these deep valleys and gullies where year-round streams flow. And the fog drip from these you know, precipitation is just regular. The, the constant moisture and precipitation in this area, we, we can understand, provides this unique environment for this California redwoods. Rainfall, they say, up to 100 inches annually. Cool coastal air, fog, keep this forest continually fed, nourished all year round. The living, world's tallest living thing on earth, the California redwood. Majestic, beautiful. But how has it come to be? Because simply of its source of life, right? How has this thing become so tall? It's from the source of its life that it gets, from the streams, incoming moisture from the ocean. It's provided the necessary water and the nutrients for it to grow, not only to grow, but to prosper and to flourish, church. Isn't that awesome? The righteous are like these trees, the Bible says. Trees that are planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Leaves do not wither. The streams of water, church, it's the very word of God. It's God's word. And as a well-watered tree, the one who nourishes from this life-giving water promises God will be prosperous and fruitful. <laughs> you know what I also appreciate about this uh, you know, illustration story? That it's not just that they're fed by water and it's by the precipitation from the coast and, and, and all the streams and such. Remember what Pastor Kelly said about this as well during the retreat? 
one of his illustrations that he shared, that when I did some research too, it's true. These trees, they have roots, but their roots actually are not very deep. You would think the tallest living thing on earth that, that is over 300 feet tall would have deep roots that just go buried into the foundation of the earth that, that would hold and support this crazy monstrous weight and such. But no, their roots are actually shallow. Then how can they still continue to be upright and strong and living, remember? It's because these roots, church, grow sideways, not go down into the earth, but they go sideways and they are intertwined very next to the roots that are beside them along the community of trees that are there living together with. They are intertwined in this forest with one another in the trees, all together and interlocked and twined, locked together in arms. They grow stronger and even taller and nourishing together as a community, church. Church, that's what God's calling us to do. We're not just doing this on our own, even in our QTs and devotionals. God's calling us, let's do this together. As a body of Christ, lock our arms together this coming year, the year of the Bible, right? And that's why we're going to do this, not just in our individual small groups and then get together. And I talked to Pastor Peter about this, Peter, Pastor Peter Wang. One of his giftings, as you know, God has given him a love for the word. He's a scholar of the word. He's MD from Gordon Conwell, THM from Westminster. I'm telling you, he's equipped in the word of God. We're going to start a QPM Bible study again, church, okay? On Sunday afternoons, 2 o'clock, okay? We're going to start that up very soon, okay? It might be next week. We'll talk about it, but we'll start it up. 2 o'clock. We're going to go through the books of the Bible. Pastor Peter's going to choose some books. He's got the ESV study guide and, and the Bible studies for you guys. 2 o'clock, right after service, get some fellowship, some food, and let's grow together, nourishing the daily bread of life and the word of God. We're going to start keeping Bible studies up again. Your small groups, we're going to do that, accountability. And then not just in the word, prayer times. We're going to get together on Wednesdays to pray together. The psalmist, remember, the psalm is a collection of prayers. We're going to pray together. New time starting this week, Wednesday night, 7.30, okay? I know 7 o'clock maybe it would have been a little early for a lot of you guys actually. 8 o'clock I think is a little too late because it ends kind of late in the, on a weeknight. 7.30, hope that works out. Okay. Come, let's get together. Corporately pray together. If you want to come real earlier, dinner. 6.30 downstairs, delicious dinner. 6.30, 7.30, we get together right here. We pray together. Okay, we, there's a lot to pray for. We're living in tumultuous times, you know that. Okay. We grow together, church. Streams of water. Not like verse 4 says, a chaff that blow away in the wind, just kind of flickers and just being tossed all the way. No, the contrast here, very clear. The righteous planted, chaff just dried up, withers away. Okay, church? Finally, we know the temptations here. Um, what does it all mean for us? There's two real endings here. Okay, verse 5 and 6 really say, the wicked will not stand in judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish, church. Okay? Familiar words once again, but the psalmist concludes this. It's very clear. One day our time will come. One day all of us, our earthly bodies will go away and in this earthly world as we know it will end. The wicked will not stand in the final judgment. Their destiny is set. Wicked and the sinners will face this judgment, church. But in verse 6, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The way of the wicked will perish. The way of the righteous, church, is the way that God oversees. He knows our way. And we know that this way is not from what we've done in our righteousness. It's not just about, I'm going to read more of the Bible and become more holy and righteous. As you know, it's a righteousness that has come from his son, Jesus Christ. Right? 2 Corinthians 5.21 very clearly says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. 
so that in him, that's talking about Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. It's Christ's righteousness, the one that God made to be sin on that cross. He knew no sin, but for us sinners here, he became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God, church. Church, we have one of two paths, one of two endings on this earth that we live. How this year will end, 2020, will either be with the Lord in the way of the righteous, or we will face his punishment, judgment, and perish. How will we live? What path will we walk this coming year? I pray as we walk in community that we would do so in sharing God's word together. We would pray together. We would commit together. And Pastor Max Lucado has his final quote for you today. He talks about Christian community. We've been talking about community for a while now. He says, questions can make hermits out of us, driving us into hiding. Yet the cave has no answers. Christ distributes courage through community. He he dissipates doubts through fellowship. He never deposits all knowledge in one person, but distributes pieces of the jigsaw puzzle to many. And when you interlock your understanding with mine, and we share our discoveries, when we mix, mingle, confess, and we pray, when we go to God's word together, Christ speaks, church. Christ speaks. Brothers and sisters, let's have Christ speak in one another's lives today. God's word, not our own. Let Jesus speak and let his word be evident in our lives this year. Let's pray. Invite the worship team to come up here as we lead a time of prayer. And the question again, how will we live out this year? Two paths, and I don't want to simplify it any further than that. It's really the way of the righteous or the way of the wicked. That's it. I pray you'll nourish yourself with the word of God. Planted by streams of water. Go to his word. Bear fruit. Be productive. Many of us, I know we're going to have excuses. I'm just too busy. How can I put 15 minutes in my life to... You read a Bible or do this app of yours here. Are we neglecting the very source of our life, church? When you're faced with important decisions to make in life, who are we turning to? A podcast or a TED talk? Would you turn to the Word of God? It offers you wisdom, not just to live, but how to have salvation. You enter that sanctuary that he opens for you, a place where he dwells. He invites you to delight in him, to meditate on his word day and night, church. Would you ask God, God, would you help me to do so? Would you help my community here at QPEM to give me accountability to do so? Small group leaders, that's on you guys especially. Let's pray, church. We would be a community where Christ speaks, where he shines and he's glorified.